0: Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith.
1: Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, I'm Alan Smith, and today is Wednesday, April 28, 2010. And if you're a first-time listener, our show is in conjunction with our main website, truthabouttrucking.com, and our trucking blog, which can be found at askthetrucker.com. So here we are again on this CSA 2010 program. And what gave me the idea for our show this evening, CSA 2010, 40 Questions, 40 Answers, is that Donna was listening to a talk show a few weeks ago, and a listener called in and asked the uh, guest on the show whether or not any tickets or citations he received while operating his own personal vehicle would still show up on his CDL license under the new CSA 2010 rules. And the answer they gave them was yes. And, of course, the correct answer should have been no. And we've covered this before on one of our previous shows, but still a lot of misinformation being given out to drivers and carriers. And uh, so we thought we would just try to go through some of the most commonly asked questions about the CSA 2010 program and uh, at least for one final time uh, give out some answers, uh, at least as we know them to be at this present time. And Now, I, I, don't, um, I don't claim to be an expert on CSA 2010, but, but I would have to say Donna is an expert when it comes to research, and she has been uh, doing a lot of that lately in prep for the show to get the most recent answers to these questions as, uh, as to how they stand now. And uh, we've also been discussing uh, this issue with uh, experts on the CSA 2010. And that's the reason for our show this evening, CSA 2010, 40 questions, 40 answers. And, and one interesting note I've received lately I, I thought I would share with everyone uh, is one sent to me by, uh, by Ricky Gooch of prepaidlegal.com. And you can read more from Ricky's side at prepaidlegal.com hub slash Ricky Gooch. But Mr. Gooch wrote me the following message. And I was just going to read it to you. He said, the FMCSA decided to roll out most of the CSA 2010 program without fanfare on Monday of last week after admitting that there were several issues concerning the program and rolling this out really turned out to be kind of a shock to many in the industry. And he writes that the ATA and others had filed complaints about the system weighing too heavy on drivers and that some rules needed to be addressed before the program started. So the knee-jerk reaction of the FMCSA was a startup of the so-called data preview, which was in complete contrast to previous statements that the FMCSA would get this program right before they would roll it out. So at the 1st of April, in a press release, the FMCSA gave numbers of over 3,000 stops and inspections in just one state, and more than half of those stops warranted citations, and almost 100% of the balance of those stops were issued warning citations. And since warning citations count against drivers the same as a ticket under CSA 2010, Mr. Gooch writes that it was very clear that the FMCSA program is designed to cause immediate damage to the trucking industry. And attempts to have the FMCSA clarify individual parts of CSA 2010 have been met with statements like the program is still in transition. However, in a recent interview, FMCSA officials recently stated that very few rules, if any, were expected to be changed. And he goes on. Now, listen to this. Carriers can no longer consider drivers separate from their trucking enterprise. Carriers are judged by the FMCSA point system, which is 80% driven by driver citations and inspections. So if a driver decides not to fight a ticket, he is, in fact, damaging the carrier he's working for and i thought that was a a pretty good interesting point there and and it's exactly right it's a very very good point that he made and i've written post and you may have heard me talk about what a professional driver should not do if ever given a ticket or citation especially for a moving violation and often a driver will just plead guilty to the ticket and move on by paying the fine or whatever Under the new CSA 2010 rule, if a driver simply pleads guilty to the charge, as Mr. Gooch pointed out, this will now hurt the driver's carrier even more under the CSA 2010, under uh, this new safety initiative. And uh, here on Truth About Trucking Live, we have had traffic attorney Michael Palumbo out of the state of New York advise everyone that the worst thing a driver can do is plead guilty to a moving violation. And We want to reiterate that if you ever receive a moving violation anywhere, you should always fight the ticket with the help of an experienced traffic attorney. Anywhere in the state of New York, that attorney would be Michael Palumbo, who established a website just for this reason at AttackThatTicket.com. And um, it goes right along with what Mr. Gooch was saying in his statement. And so uh, just here real quick, just listen to what uh, Attorney Palumbo uh, (laughs) said. Here's Michael Palumbo, attorney, former police officer, and founder of AttackThatTicket.com.
2: Support for AttackThatTicket.com has been so overwhelming that I wanted to personally thank you. We have a simple message. Don't plead guilty as charged before you check our website or give us a call. Our website shows you the true cost of the fines, points, and additional penalties you can often receive from the DMV that the court doesn't tell you about. And when people call us and it doesn't make sense to use an attorney, we'll tell you, just pay the ticket. But when you need a lawyer, we really know how to put the law on your side. Look, I'm a former police officer. I've been there. I've used the radar, and I know that at certain times, it doesn't work. That's just something you can't learn in law school. When you use us, we charge one low flat fee. You never have to take off time from work. You never have to come to court. We'll do everything for you. So if you get a ticket, go to our website or give us a call toll-free at one 99 no ticks before you send it in. We'll tell you when you need us, and more importantly, when you don't. Thanks so much for your support. Attack that ticket.
1: So I found it interesting that Ricky Gooch at prepaidlegal.com really said the same thing through so many words. That attack that states it. Don't plead guilty to a moving violation, especially in the state of New York. If you're in New York, first thing you have to do is contact AttackThatTicket.com. And as he pointed out um, in the little statement he sent me, um, by just accepting the ticket under the CSA 2010, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the carrier as well. So. Okay, our show this evening, CSA 2010, 40 questions, 40 answers. We'll try to get them all in, depending on how time goes here on Truth About Trucking Live. So we want to make sure we get to the most common questions. So so just let's just get started. Our call-in number, if you'd like to be a part of the show, is 347-826-9170. Uh, we'll be numbering the questions if you have... Um, any comment or uh, questions on the question? Uh, just give us a call in when we open up the lines, and uh, uh, give us the number to the question, and we'll try to go uh, go that route. And Donna, I see you are on the air with me, so you'll be helping me out here, right?
3: Yeah, I'm here. Hi, everybody.
1: Okay. I also want to throw in here a little insight into the. A massive rumor that started a while back about how 175,000 drivers will instantly lose their jobs when CSA 2010 takes full effect, and everybody kind of has their own opinion on this. I, I guess none of us will really know until the program takes place in full force, but I'm inclined to say that this enormous loss of driver jobs, I I, I just can't see it happening. Um it was a statement i believe taken out of context by the fmcsa and um, we all know that the recession has reduced tonnage by more than twenty percent since two thousand eight and this has sent thousands of drivers into other occupations and i believe that many of these drivers will not be coming back to the driver's chair but i've always said that there is no uh... nor has there ever been a driver shortage uh, my simple opinion but however i think it would be better to say that it's always been a problem maybe finding qualified drivers because of new regulations and so forth and and another thing that compounds this problem is the fact that trucking companies have not been recruiting new drivers for quite some time they're beginning to now but for a long time now many haven't been and many industry experts expect that CSA 2010 will greatly add to the so-called driver shortage problem in fact a few of the larger trucking companies like Nike Transportation and Werner and Covenant and USA and Celadon have said in filings with the US Securities and Exchange Commission that the new carrier safety analysis will adversely affect the driver pool and then on the other hand Tom Bray, who really is a CSA 2010 expert with the industry compliance leader J.J. Keller and Associates, has stated that rumors of how badly CSA 2010 will affect the pool of drivers are widely exaggerated. And his exact words were, there's no evidence that it's going to be as bad as the rumors say. And I I intend to agree, but in all actuality, I guess we all just have to wait and see. Everybody has their opinion. I just can't imagine throwing a program out there that's going to knock almost 200,000 drivers out of a job. But I guess time will tell. And uh, just a little tidbit there on my part. But, Donna, let's get started here. And you jump in any time to add any comments you have. And uh, we'll just kind of share the questions as we go along. How about that?
3: sounds good
1: all right now on with the q and a about csa 2010 and uh, uh... one question that's not on here i just want to point out real quick is uh... well we've already covered that tickets or citations received in your own personal vehicle will it still go on your cdl under the csa 2010 program and the answer is no as of right now now this is one of the good things about csa 2010 they will not go against your cdl and let's keep in mind that this is how we see the answers to these questions right now. And as we all know, this thing keeps changing like every day, it seems. But we're going to give it our best shot here on Truth About Trucking Live. So um, grab over here. Donna, let's see. Um, I guess really start with, a, well, the number one question. Uh, most, most people will probably already know, but it's a simple question. New listeners listening in. Really, what is CSA 2010? And um, so basically it's an enhanced method to improve the methods used by the FMCSA to detect and correct poor safety behavior exhibited by carriers and drivers. And it's going to is a program that's going to replace Safestat and is referred to as SMS, a new safety measure, measurement system. And uh, CSA 2010 is made up of three key elements: measurement safety evaluation, and um, intervention. And so basically that's all CSA 2010 is, a new safety initiative to uh, replace SafeStat as the way it stands right now.
3: Yeah, it actually enhances the uh, SafeStat, which is actually part of question number two, just kind of comparing the difference between the old method of measuring safety performance and the new uh, evaluation. So I guess we could get right into that one.
1: Okay, so the second question, and we'll give the numbers in case anybody later wants to refer to them. Number two, how is it different from the old method of measuring safety performance? So you already jumped in there. Donna, you want to take that one?
3: Okay. SMS is organized by specific behaviors, whereas SafeStat is organized into uh, four general safety evaluation areas, which was uh, SEAs, as it was called. Um, The main difference is that using the old methodology, only the carriers were assessed. Uh, Now the drivers are included in that assessment. Uh, Before, there were only four broad general areas to detect a need for a company to have a compliance review, uh, which meant that this involved uh, a lengthy investigation, usually an on-site, because really less than 2% of all the carriers were reviewed. But the new method is more targeted, and uh, it's categorized, it includes seven basic categories, and that basic actually stands for um, Behavior Analysis and Safety Improvement Categories, and based on these seven categories, uh, you can actually target where the problems are coming from. Before, only out-of-service moving violations uh, were a measurement. Now all seven categories are evaluated individually to determine which area the carrier is having the most difficulty. Uh, Also, now the violations are weighted and are given values, and and that's a really big difference. Um, and, And they're weighted and given values according to how serious they are considered in regards to crash risk. Now, I'm going to read to you um, a little something uh, right from the FMCSA side. actually. It's SAFESTAT assesses carrier in four evaluation areas, accident, driver, vehicle, and safety measurement, whereas the SMS measures each entity in six behavioral categories and the crash indicator. So um, I guess basically what it is is it's just taking what they had and making it more uh, targeted towards those seven individual basic categories.
1: Okay. And then another main difference, and we'll speed it up here a little bit, but uh, uh, I think you said, too, one of the main differences is that using the old methodology, only the, only the carriers were assessed, but now the drivers are included in the assessment, as most of us know and uh... but and before there were only uh... like you said four broad general areas to detect a need for a company to have a compliance and because of that only only less than two percent of all the carriers were reviewed so now with this new methodology including the seven basic categories um, it's going to be more of a targeted for the carriers and drivers alike
3: right, right? they will be able to see exactly where they're having a problem which will actually comes into Uh, question number three, what are the seven areas of safety measurement? And this is exactly the areas they're they're targeting.
1: Okay. Um, Oh, number three, the seven areas. Yeah, we'll go over those. The uh, uh, unsafe speeding, uh, which is going to include speeding, reckless driving, improper lane change, and inattention. Um, Fatigue driving for the they're going to be looking at fatigue through the uh, hours of service, the logbook, and, of course, operating a CMV while ill or fatigued. And driver fitness, which uh, not too many drivers are happy with. Um, on this driver fitness, they're saying it's failure to have a valid and, and appropriate commercial driver's license and being medically unqualified to operate a CMV. Um, is that kind of all they had on that driver fitness, Donna?
3: Yeah, uh, it it's actually more uh according to, you know, if you're under twenty one, um and actually you can you can find out all these definitions right on the uh, FMCSA site and it gives examples for each and every one of these seven categories in, de- in detail, we're just giving you a couple of the examples so you understand, like the first one was unsafe driving, and that included the speeding, reckless driving, improper lane change, inattention, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, driver fitness is more about, you know, your licensing, your medical card, uh, things like that.
1: Okay, so those are three. The other four... Are drugs and alcohol, uh, use or possession of controlled substances, alcohol, pretty self-explanatory. And in-
3: included in that is if you're on a prescription drug and you're misusing it. So that's included in that one also.
1: Okay. And vehicle maintenance, obviously brakes, lights, and other mechanical defects and failure to make uh, required repairs. Improper loading. Uh, another problem drivers have with improper load securement cargo retention size and uh, weight and hazardous material handling and the seventh one is crash indicator and this is your histories or patterns of uh, high crash involvement including frequency and severity and it's based on information from state reported crashes correct Donna
3: that's correct
1: okay and um, and then as a side note, each basic category, we understand, is uh, given a score. And the score is based on each area's violation and the severity of the of the uh, violation. So there are seven scores for each carrier and driver. And an example would be that, that there may be a low score in the area of improper loading, but a high score in driver fatigue uh, in relationship to the hours of service violations. So... And then Donna, here I see you have something about interventions,
3: right? Um, if one or more of the carrier's basic percentiles, and and understand when when uh, a a carrier goes through, when a driver goes through, the carrier's um, profile is right on. They can see the carriers, but they can't see the drivers, but they can see the carriers and the basic scores and. All like that are up there. So, um, but if there's if there's a threshold in one of those seven areas that that carrier is very high, let's say a 90 percent, uh, the threshold will de- depend on what the FMCSA uh, says that threshold has to be. Uh, but they they can be a candidate for an intervention. And depending on how high or how much over that threshold will determine if it's a warning letter or an on-site uh, investigation.
1: Okay, so all right, so they throw in the interventions there. So, all right, so um, so there's the um, those are the seven uh, areas of safety measurement. And uh, we'll move on to question number four. What are the point values for each of the violations within the seven basic categories? And um, again, a lot of this information you can find right from the FMCSA site, fmcsa.dot.gov, and you can look for the documents and the SMS methodology uh, forms that they have there. Um, So what are the point values for each of the violations within these seven basic categories? The points uh, range from one to 10 depending on the severity in regards to crash risk. And examples for the point value of each violation are given uh, in the forms that you can find from the uh, FMCSA site. Uh, There's hundreds of point severity per violation in the tables that they provide from their site. So we would recommend that you just download and read this document because it explains in detail all areas of CSA 2010. And um, here it gets a little confusing. We'll try to uh, weed through this. Uh, a, a time weight of one, two, or three is assigned to each applicable violation based on how long ago a violation on the inspection was recorded. And violations recorded in the uh, past 12 months receive a time weight of three. Violations recorded between 12 and 24 months ago receive a time weight of two, and all violations recorded earlier, older than 24 months, but within the past 36 months, receive a time weight of one. So this time weighting places more emphasis on recent violations relative to older violations. So an example would be a violation with a severity number of 5 that was given to a driver 30 months ago gets multiplied by 1 so it remains a value of 5 the same violation done 11 months ago previously would get a value of 15 so uh i have that right Donna
3: Yeah that sounds that sounds exactly uh how they're doing it um they have a A couple of other formulas, excuse me, that they're using also, but basically that's it. Um, Also, just to let everyone know that after 36 months, um, these violations get dropped. And for the carriers, uh, they get dropped after 24 months.
1: So after 36 months, uh, any violation on there gets dropped for the driver? Yes.
3: Yes. After 36 months, the carriers, it's 24 months.
1: So they basically start over with a new clean slate.
3: Well, of course, they're they're getting more, well, hopefully they're not getting any violations. So it's always a three-year look back.
1: Yeah, the three-year look back. Okay. Um, All right, so uh, question number five, who receives the violations? And these are all questions that uh, Donna has We've kind of picked out that the most commonly asked questions. And uh, so number five, who receives the violations? Carriers receive all the violations, including any violations a driver receives while they are employed by the carrier. So um, so Donna, what actually are is it saying here? I mean
3: well if a if a driver gets a violation, it's going right they're both getting the violation they're both getting the points and uh and that's just it
1: well yeah but it, uh so it has an equal effect on both
3: mhm okay,
1: yeah. so we have here carriers receive all violations, but also the driver receives them too oh.
3: uh well, not necessarily they they've really l- limited it to the point they took a lot of the uh what they felt the carriers should be accountable for only and uh, and have removed them from the re- driver's responsibility, I uh, noticed that in the new violations on the methodology page for the f m c s a however, anything a driver gets, the carrier gets so.
1: okay, okay, and I see, and then this kind of goes right along with. Uh, question number six, do drivers receive all violations that the carrier receives? And we have come up with the answer, no. Only the ones that in, that are in control of the driver. And, again, uh, just download that document on methodology from the FMCSA site, and it has a table of all the violations that shows which ones a driver is also held accountable for, which are many. Oh, yeah. <laughs> many. And so... Um, so I'm trying. I'm trying to distinguish between question five and question six. Who receives the violations? Carrier receives all violations. Um, number six, the driver receives all violations that he or she is in control of.
3: Exactly. In other words, if a driver gets an HOS violation, the carrier gets it also.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. All right. Um, And, again, this document can be found at fmcsa.dot.gov. Look for the documents in the SMS methodology uh, PDF form there. And, uh, again, there are a ton of violations that the driver is held accountable for, as we all have been talking about, just like the load securement, which um, I have mentioned I just can't imagine how a driver can be held responsible for making sure a load is secured on the trailer because there are a lot of shippers and receivers who, uh, well, shippers, I guess, who don't allow the driver to be in the back of the trailer when they're loading. And the driver just pulls up, they close and lock the doors, and the driver never sees how the load is secured, so I see a problem there. So, uh, okay, Uh, question number seven. Can a carrier get rid of violations on their record by firing a driver? Um, Donna, question. The answer we have is no, right?
3: Absolutely, right. All the driver violations while they are employed by that carrier remain on the carrier's record for 24 months.
1: Okay, so we go back to the 24-36 month thing. So. So even if the carrier gets mad and fires you, that's not going to help them any at all. It's still going to remain uh, on the carrier's record. Correct. And uh, uh, number eight is a question we get asked a lot. When will CSA 2010 be in force? And it actually began in 2008 in a test program. And there was a total of nine states that were eventually involved. And our understanding, as of today, is all states will be involved with the enforcement of CSA 2010 as of November 30, 2010. And, Donna, do you see anything different in that? Is November 30 still the that's,
3: date? That's the date they're saying, so uh, I, I assume that's when it's all going to start.
1: All right. Um, let's, uh, let's grab a, a call here just real quick. Get some on here. See if we can work them in here with our time. Uh, uh, calling from area code nine seven two. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air.
4: This is Mike Rone. I finally got rid of the DOT, so I to call in and see how y'all doing.
3: Oh, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, I talked to Linda earlier today, and uh, I asked her, you know, if you you were going to be on, and I'm glad you are. She didn't think you'd be able to make it because you had a hectic schedule today. Yeah, I didn't Everybody get home from that. Mike Brown from rmrconsultants.com.
4: Yeah, I know. I didn't get, didn't get home from 9.30 last night, so I didn't know for sure if I'd make it home tonight. I didn't really think I would, but we finished up little bit early.
1: All right. Well, good. you just want to hang with us, or are you listening, or you want to make sure... Uh, because I said from the very beginning of the show I'm no expert on CSA 2010, and thank goodness we have one on the air with us. So you know, hang <laughs> with us and make sure I don't mess up here.
4: I'll hang with you if you need me. If you don't, then so I'll just listen. So far, sounds
3: good, huh, Mike?
4: Uh, so far,
3: so good. Okay. Okay. I, I
4: just I just I just logged on just a few minutes ago. So.
3: Oh, okay. Well, we've only been on a few minutes. Okay, well, if you can hang with us, that's fine. I'll just
1: leave your mic open, and if you hear something you want to add to, just jump in. So uh, we'll move to question number nine. Will drivers and carriers start from scratch when the CSA 2010 system begins measuring and evaluating carriers? And, again, these are all questions that we've just received over the last few months. So the answer to this is no. The CSA 2010 measurement system will use the uh, existing data the roadside inspection and crash information from the previous 24 months and for the carriers, 36 months for the drivers when it becomes the official measurement system. So uh, drivers and carriers don't get to start from scratch. And question number 10, what about new drivers? What data will be used. And Donna, you looked into this. What did you find out about that? Well, they won't
3: have any data since uh they don't have a 3-year look back, so they'll pretty much have a clean slate coming in. Uh
1: yeah, okay. And that can hurt uh okay, which would be very good for the carriers. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Obviously, so okay. So um, I well, I guess new I guess new inexperienced drivers would be more accurate. I mean, if they don't have any experience, they're not going to have anything on their record. So, uh, on a three-year look back, so.
4: Well, okay. certainly experience certainly experience is going to come into play I think, wouldn't you Alan. Know
1: oh yeah, yeah, so definitely. I, That's I think why, it's uh, laid
4: out laid out by most carriers uh, hiring an experienced driver versus an inexperienced driver.
1: Yeah, uh, but I don't know. See. I mean do you think they would be looking at hiring new inexperienced drivers just to keep their uh, just to have a, a zero safety record?
4: Not my clients, uh they require at least two every client I've got requires at least two years of driving experience.
3: Well, I guess we're looking at more like the training companies that will hire on uh, new students. Well the training
4: comp- yeah, the training companies may be an exception right. to the rule. Which we've yeah. talked about. I mean that's kind of a different category. Uh, they're, they're companies with their own training program. I'm sure they'll treat it a little bit differently.
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I don't know how. How again, we were talking earlier in the show. If you missed it, Mike, um, the effect that it's going to have on drivers and and um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I personally don't see the the massive effect that some are talking about you know you remember the thing about the 175,000 driver loss
4: yeah that What's came it? out when the, that came out uh on last august uh whenever cs8 2010 first get, uh, started getting publicized really big and it's on this uh, vertical alliance website where there's a interview with uh, a person on there that uh, said that 175,000 drivers would lose their jobs which is not at that point in time, uh, I don't think it was an inaccurate statement based upon the information that was being put out by the because I right. really felt that, they felt that they could declare a driver unfit. But they've clarified that a lot since then, and they're not going to be signing any safety ratings to drivers. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not going to declare a driver unfit. Plus, they're limiting the access to who can see a driver's score only to a safety investigator and only at the time that a compliance review is being performed at the carrier. So I think they right. made uh, a lot of progress in there. And uh, in
3: um, one of these questions in here has exactly all that.
4: Yeah, because we I, had
1: talked we had talked on the phone with FMCSA about their that and they, and uh they assured us that that statement was just taken out of context and it's still floating around the internet and and I was thinking about you when I see these things uh um, Mike, because uh, it it just has to really get under your skin when you see this misinformation put out
4: there. Well, it it does, and I, tr- I tried to attack it at one point in time. But there's so many places to, that uh, you have to attack, and unfortunately, I just don't have the time to post on everybody's blog. And yeah, and here lately, I have to apologize to everybody here lately. I just have been uh, totally covered up and swamped on some different issues uh, with my business. And I haven't really been. Uh, Keeping up with Twitter and Facebook, the way I should be So
1: I'm still well, around, Donna, though. D- Donna, oh yeah, Donna and I was talking earlier that um, um, you know a lot have just kind of stopped talking about this thing because it, it it almost changes daily, you know. So we're trying to cover things that we don't think is going to change, but again, you know, we never know. But we're giving it a shot here.
4: Now I don't. I think down the road that they may change uh, that and be able to declare driver's unfit later on down the road, but they're going to have to do a rulemaking proceeding, in my opinion, because today, the Part 385, uh, 383, I'm sorry, that deals with uh, the CDL provisions has some disqualifying uh, offenses in it based on the number of convictions, and they would have to modify that. So it's going to be, if they do, you'll, it'll be well-publicized. There'll be a rulemaking proceeding for everybody's comments.
3: They even stated that on their website that right now the drivers will not be rated and it said that there would have to be a rule making on that. So uh, but And I have always felt that
4: because yeah. I just don't I just don't think they could have done it with the provisions that are in three eighty three. Mhm.
1: Okay. okay, and um all right, question number eleven. And I Well, we've already kind of covered this. Will violations, citations, or warnings issued against a driver while driving his or her personal vehicle be placed into the driver's data in CSA 2010? Uh, Donna just heard a talk show a few weeks ago where the answer was yes, uh, but the answer is no. The The only data that will be placed into the CSA 2010 database related to drivers will be violations that are noted on a roadside inspection report. And this is only completed when a uh, commercial vehicle and or the uh, driver of a commercial vehicle is inspected and Correct. crashes and crashes that the driver is involved in while operating a commercial vehicle so again this is one good thing cuz right now as it stands you get a ticket or run a stoplight you have to uh, tell your carrier and it can go on your CDL but uh under the CSA 2010 that's not the case so uh,
4: well, but it'll still no, go on your seat. C- and- uh, any convictions still go to your c d l but it's not that's not related to c s a twenty ten
1: right that's what i mean not related to c s a twenty ten so right um okay question number twelve will will the severity waiting points for violations discovered during a roadside inspection be assigned to a driver's c d l following the inspection and Donna what did you come yep. up with
3: no uh the severity weight system is simply a component of the CSA 2010 safety measurement system and has nothing to do with the driver's license. So, again, the two are two total different things.
1: Okay. Uh, All right, question 13. I feel like I'm in a class here. (laughs) Um, When hiring a driver, does the driver's CSA 2010 data get added to the new company's CSA 2010 data, and we've come up with no. The only violations that get placed into a uh, carrier's data are violations involving vehicles and drivers operating under the carrier's DOT number. Correct. Uh, that's right? Yeah. That's Yeah, well, that's boy, right. we're hitting it good here. <laughs> okay, let me see. Uh, I you ain't need thing. me.
4: Huh? You don't even need me. You're doing a good job. Oh, yeah. oh, no,
0: no,
1: that's, no okay. Policy, man. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay because this is the first time I've had to even look over these questions. So um, uh, uh, I'm glad you're here so you can jump in and say, hold on, Alan, you're giving out false information.
2: But oh, I will. You, <laughs> oh,
1: I know you will. <laughs> I see, um, Let's try to take a little bit of uh, a caller here. I think this is Patches here, uh, area code 302. Patches, is that you hanging there?
0: Sure is.
1: What's going on? Do you have a question on what we've been covering, or well,
0: what's Well, I had a guy, uh, it's a friend of mine. Uh, he he told me something I don't understand. If okay. uh, a driver comes up and finds he has a tire that uh, is not correctly or it's chunked, and a deal and he has to go into a DOT and they find that and they cite the driver for it. And according to what this man said, it's a 12-point violation. Is this correct?
3: No. Nothing can be more than 10 points. Of course, it depends how, uh, you know, if it was 36 months, they're going to use multiples of one, two, or three. But he should have caught caught that on the pre-trip.
0: Well, ma'am... This can be caught on a pre trip if it's existed prior, yes, but if it happened en route, how can you
1: right well that's that's the that's a and that's the, that's some of the problems that we see with this thing because uh I don't have the severity rating scores in front of me, but I know like a leaky tire if you have a nail in a tire and it's leaking i I believe that's a severity rating of eight. You can do your pre trip and leave the yard and everything fine, go 25 miles, catch a tire, DOT catches you, you're hit with a score of eight. So, again, that's, that's Mike, that's just another one of the problems we see with this thing.
4: Yeah, drivers are not, I mean, you do your pre trip, but drivers often don't do their in route inspection. And I'm not against the drivers, but I yeah. do a lot of. Training classes. They need to do their in route inspections every time they stop the truck. They need to walk around the truck, to make sure the lights and the tires are okay. And yes, you're going to have some things that are going to slip through that are damaged in route. That you have that today. But if it's a CVSA violation. Then it's going to be on the roadside inspection. And those are going to be kind of the exceptions to what's going on. And is it a problem area? I don't think it's gonna affect very many drivers. It's not gonna happen that often. That's not well happening. what I
0: was mainly thinking about is uh the trailers. Uh as you know I... today, uh a lot of uh companies are using uh, all recaps on the trailers, not the tractors.
2: And okay.
0: you never know when one of them was gonna go. It's an unknown. And if a DOT officer happens to come up behind you when you've got that, the driver's going to get a ticket for it, and that's beyond the driver's control.
4: If if the driver doesn't pull over and get it fixed, he will.
0: Even if he tried to pull over, it's still that possibility,
4: because I've had it happen to me. Well, I I don't think it's going to happen very much Where a DOT officer. is going to be right behind you to notice it, number one. And number two... If it just happened, I think he would give you an uh, opportunity to pull it off the road.
0: Well, I understand what you're saying.
4: I mean, And you always have the exception to the rule. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: That's where uh, I'm if, coming from. If you've already known know you got that blowout, and you pull off onto a an on, off-ramp or on-ramp to get off to the highway, and the DOT officer pulls up right by, uh, behind you, say, 10 or 15 minutes later, and he's already sees you there. That's an a open invitation to a, a point ticket. And this, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I can't say that. But it I is think, a big, especially for some of these new DOT people that are trying to make I a name think, for themselves.
4: You know, think
5: that's going to happen.
4: That's kind of a hypothetical situation. And I don't think it would occur that often. Could it occur? Yeah, it could occur. I don't think it's going to be a, a major thing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's going to occur, no doubt. But uh, I mean, if, if, and it, occur,
4: if like it occurs, the... if it occurs, then it's occurring now. And oh, I don't yeah. know how often it's occurring, so it's, yeah, not really yeah. cha- it's not really a change. It's not really a change; just the, the point system has been added.
1: Yeah, the only thing's changing that the CSA 2010 is. Um, uh, it's going to happen, and this is going to be part of it, and. Uh, we're we're just gonna to have to live with it. That's just how I look at it. And will uh will will an occurrence like that happen? Uh I'm sure it will, but we're in a new ball game. And so basically I mean, that's that's all I have to say. We're just in we're in a new game here.
4: No, and drivers are gonna get points. I mean, everybody's gonna have some points. That's, that's, you know, it's living in a real world. Drivers not gonna drive for Number of years I've been driving without any violations at all. I mean, there are people that I have talked to, uh, and they've been driving for years, have never had a violation on, on a roadside inspection. I mean, that's kind of kind of hard right. to to me to believe, but you know, I do believe them. Uh, but you're gonna have you're gonna have some points on there. But remember, it's on an equalizing effect. With good inspections, will help offset bad inspections. So if you have a bad thing happen to you, you know, they say what karma is, what comes around goes around, hopefully you'll get a good inspection that will help offset it. And as long as you're not having repetitive uh, violations of the same category and a whole lot of points, I don't think it's going to affect the driver.
3: And that's a good point, Mike. Because that's one of the things we're going to bring up is everybody needs to save all these inspections uh, receipts that they get. Um, that's oh, going to yeah. be even more important than in the past.
4: Oh, yeah. Every driver should, from this point forward should be saving all their roadside inspections, uh, good and bad, so they know what's going on in their profile. And when the pre-employment screening program becomes available to the public, I recommend that drivers to uh, go ahead and get their profile information. It costs them 10 bucks. Go ahead and do it and make sure that the, it's pulling up their data and not somebody else's because it's a new program and they're not using social security numbers to identify the driver. So there could be some errors in it and I would just recommend that, that everybody do it to find out what is on there initially Then uh, you can take a look at it. And, and if there's something wrong with it, there's a, process that you can go through to get it corrected
3: right and we'll go through that
4: yeah and uh,
1: uh thanks patches appreciate the call and we, we've got 40 questions we're at 13 so let's move on to uh question number 14 and um uh, uh this is a good question will will violations and crashes stay with a driver who continually jumps from company to company And unfortunately, the answer is yes. If a violation is determined to be one um, that the driver was was responsible for or could have prevented, uh, it will be placed in his or her personal data as well as the carrier. So this personal data stays with the driver no matter what carrier the driver is working for. So this uh, jumping from carrier to carrier is not going to help you. And question number fifteen: Where will violations involving owner operators operating under our DOT number? Um, wait. Where will violations involving owner operators operating under the DOT number show up in the CSA 2010 system? Um, that's a question you received, Donna.
3: Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's any violation involving a vehicle or driver operating under a carrier's DOT number will be assigned to the carrier. And this includes the violations involving owner operators operating under a carrier's DOT number. Now, if the violation is one that the driver is responsible for or could have prevented, the violation will also be assigned to the driver and in this case that would be the only operator so uh, he could get both of them if he's the driver and the operator
1: yeah so there's really no difference really the owner operator the company driver I mean it's always going to work the same under the CSA 2010 right. uh, question 16 are there any violations that only the driver is held responsible for and uh, now we've come up with the correct answer is no and we have all violations are assigned to the company. And if the violation is one that the um, FMCSA has determined that the driver was responsible for or could have prevented, like we keep saying, the violations will also be placed into the driver's data. Um, you verify that, any, Donna, violations that only the driver is held responsible for? No,
3: carrier gets all of them no matter what. So basically what it is is the carrier gets everything and the the driver well they get a lot of them I mean it's not that much of a break but uh the carriers get everything the driver does and the driver doesn't necessarily get everything the carrier does so uh, oh,
4: okay and, and just a just a comment on that Alan, if you have yeah. a bad carrier out there that's not complying with the regulations and they have uh say uh 10 to 20 drivers it's not going to take long for that carrier to start building up a lot of points to get on the radar screen, so they're going to have to change the way that their behavior in order to clean up what they're doing or they're not they're going to be uh, really inundated with the interventions from the f m c s a and mike can, well can you give me a like an example of what something like that
1: would be like what would the carrier be doing
5: oh. I say you had a carrier
4: i mean this is just hypothetical and I'm sure. Uh-huh may or may not exist, but if you had a carrier that's telling drivers to take the load anyway, uh, the, either the vehicle is bad or if they're out of hours already, but the carrier is trying to intimidate the driver to take the load anyway, they don't have hours, and the drivers start getting stopped and they start getting written up for it. Uh, some of the hours and service violations uh, are not out of service violations. So that they're not showing up on the radar screen today, but under CSA 2010 they will. So a carrier this forcing the drivers out without ours, and it start showing up on roadside inspections, and they're going to start accumulating a lot of points real fast.
1: Well, wouldn't that still go against the driver under the uh, one of the seven areas of safety measurements? Measurements right. I'm, the, I'm just the fatigue yes. driving.
4: Yes, it will. But I'm just saying it'll be compounded. If that driver, if that company has 20 drivers and they're forcing all 20 drivers out, and half of them are getting caught, that okay. means that carrier is getting points for all the 10, the 10 drivers. So they're, to be the well. right. yeah, so they're going to get on the radar screen. Right. So they're going to pop up. They're going to pop up that's, on the radar screen pretty thing. quick. Yeah.
1: Okay. that's Okay. Do what, Donna?
3: I said that's one of the good things because if if you look at that methodology sheet, and uh, actually, Alan, you put those snapshots up on the Ask the Trucker blog today, Mm -hmm. it actually highlights on each one of those basics uh, in either red or yellow a threshold and it would be the fatigue driving and that would stand out like a sore thumb to the in uh, the roadside inspectors if, you know, they see, wow, you know, we better check these logbooks. It looks like this company uh, you know, has a problem with their with their drivers in this area. So it's gonna it it's gonna cause more uh more stops for drivers if they're driving for a company that has a high percentile uh, of, of, uh, of these violations in any one category, never mind the intervention that they're going to get. But if, if you drive for a company that, that runs like this, your chances of getting stopped are that much greater. Um, don't you agree, Mike?
4: Yeah, the inspection value is going to go up. There's an inspection value assigned to each uh, carrier in its group by categories of points, whether it's uh, let the I mean, no inspection or optional or inspect, and I think there's another category in there that's kind of basically the point. And uh, the point is that when, when uh VPS trooper or uh, go to a scale house, they see your company name, they pull it up on the computer, and it tells you to inspect the carrier, they're going to be pulling more uh, drivers in for inspections. Uh,
1: does, that okay. yeah. does,
4: that, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. All right.
4: I mean, uh, it, it's probably be compounded with CSA 2010. If they, uh, I would think the inspection values would uh, pop up real fast, too, or uh, values would go up pretty fast.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, question 17. Will And this is a good question. Will warning tickets be counted against the driver and carrier under the CSA 2010? And we yes. have to say yes. A warning ticket will hold the same uh, severity points as a violation towards a driver and carrier. So um, that's that's probably not going to make too many drivers happy if you get a warning ticket, but it's still going
3: to count against them, huh, Donna? Well, that goes right uh, along with question number eighteen, which is, can you contest the warning? And and you can't. Um, you're almost better off getting the the citation uh, than the warning. And uh, here, you know, we have uh, if either the motor carrier or driver can demonstrate that the violation did not exist, then the court will dismiss it. Well, if there's no violation, there's nothing to contest, so it's just going to go on your record. I mean, Are you finding people upset about that? I would think the carriers would be very upset about that. Well, I like it's
4: going, yeah, it's going to get the carriers brought up on the radar screen real fast because they're not out of service violations, but they are violations. And as far as taking stuff taking stuff off of the uh, take, getting violations taken off, even even if a court dismisses it, that is not grounds for getting it taken off of the uh, CSA 2010 profile. I've been following some data cues uh, for some carriers of mine and. The carrier uh, filed a data queue on their own, and they used to, that the court dismissed it, and they they came back and said that's not that's not a valid reason to uh, take it off the, the profile. Uh, what they want to see is documentation on why the violation didn't exist to begin with. Why did the court? You got to give them reasons why the violation didn't exist.
3: Yeah, we actually read about an example in Texas. Um, that refused to take it off, and it was exactly what you're saying. So, even yeah, this if you a, have a, a court a court document, it, it seems like it's not enough.
4: Yeah, they they say, well, the court dismissed it, but you know, doesn't mean the violation was there. So, what I did was to get the documentation together and submit the documentation, resubmitted it, and I was able to get it taken off.
3: Oh, you were. Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. Well,
4: well yeah, it, it. it's in the way that you do it. I mean, there's. The right, I guess, the right way and their way.
3: Yes. Uh, but. <laughs> it's a shame that, you know, you would think after going through all that with the court and everything that you'd, you know, have it all done, but obviously not. So and, I guess and it this going to keep you busy.
4: it still took two months to get it off. Ugh.
1: Wow. Okay, question 19. Can, can you contest erroneous information in the CSA 2010 database, and yes, you can. If either the uh, motor carrier or driver can demonstrate that the violation did not exist, then the court will dismiss the charge. However, we have read, and we were just talking about this, that there are states that will not remove violations from the record. One state, like Donna said, was Texas. Um, Now, is this... um, Okay, so Donna, you have here that the motor carrier driver can demonstrate that the violation did not exist and the court will dismiss the charge. Mike, you agree with that?
2: Uh, yeah,
4: I agree with that. that the court okay. will dismiss it. But also, if, on the other hand, when you when you file your data queue protest to the information on the uh, CSA 2010, you have to submit documentation on why the violation didn't exist, not just that the court dismissed it.
3: Okay, that's what you were just saying, that you yeah. had to submit it and wait an extra two months. Uh, that right. website, by the way, for everybody, uh, if they want to contest, and you might want to just write this down or go to the FMCSA website, Is HTTPS. Uh, it's dataqs.fmcsa.dot.gov forward slash login dot asp, and really, you just have to Google DataQ FMCSA, and you'll pick it, pick it up.
1: Yeah, you'll find it, and that's where they can contest it once this thing gets rolling. And uh, number 20, halfway through, what information will the roadside inspector see? And they will see carrier basic information and scores as a tool to um, determine if they will inspect and to what degree to inspect? And um, my understanding, Donna, again, is inspectors they they will not see the driver measurement information. Right,
3: they only see the snap the the um, the carrier basic information. But the uh, inspectors, roadside inspectors, don't see the driver measurement info, which has all the basic uh, values, percentile measurement. And um, uh, inspections. Uh, is that correct, Mike? I mean, that's pretty much what what it said on, yep. uh,
4: on the site. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. They'll be able to see the carrier profile information, and uh, that way they can determine whether or not if there's a specific category they should be checking for. They'll right. be able to see the past ta- violations, so they can do a uh, targeted inspection on the carrier as well.
1: Okay. Good. So that was number 20, halfway through here. As we count, we go through the top 40 questions that we've received on the CSA 2010. And, and you know, you've heard me talk about becoming an owner-operator, independent contractor, or on some uh, on our shows and blog posts. And, and if this is something that you have plans for, then you need to check out Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. You've heard me talk about them. They're out of Iowa. They're an excellent company and they are in business to get you in that truck and down the road making money as fast as you can in your own owner-operator business if that's something you want to do, and a lot of newcomers to the industry have their eye on this. So uh, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, they, they offer an upfront lease program, no hidden costs, no hidden fees, and the best thing about Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, and this is what I really like, is there is no giant balloon payment at the end of your lease. Uh, with an affordable down payment, and with payments uh, running under 1000 a month. When you make that last payment, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. And and uh, we're seeing freight picking up, and carriers are going to start a bigger push for hiring drivers, I believe. It's, I mean, it's it's coming. We're beginning to see it. And so if being an owner-operator is your goal, but you just don't know where to start and how to get the best deal, well, I just told you right here on Truth About Trucking Live, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. They're honest, reputable, and they actually do what they say they're going to do. And they'll even help find your financing if you need it. So check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com, and be sure to tell them that Alan at Truth About Trucking Live Talk Radio sent you. So LoneMountainTruck.com, in my opinion, the only way to lease a truck Uh, Really good company. So I wanted to get that in there because I know we have a lot of wannabe owner operators out there. And, uh, Donna, we'll just keep moving on. Well, we're right on time. We're at 20, and we're right at the top of the hour. And question 21 is a pretty simple one. How often is the information in the SMS data system updated? And one word, that's monthly, right? Yeah, that's what it says. So that was pretty simple. Uh, Question 22, who sees? the safety performance of a driver. And our understanding is only safety inspectors can see the entire assessment history of the driver, and this information is not available to the carriers, correct?
3: Uh, that's what it said. Now, this brings up a question, and I'm glad uh, Mike is on the phone. When they talk about a driver history, uh, I guess this is what this is saying. And I know we're going to get into the PSF. PSP later, uh, we've got about five questions that we're going to answer on that. Uh, the PSP uh, shows all the three-year look-back and the five-year look-back, and the carriers can look at that if someone applies for a job. Uh, when they say that an entire assessment history of a driver can't be seen uh, for, by the carrier's what is the difference between an entire assessment history and just the PSP information? And well, what for... they're talking about
4: under CSA 2010, they're talking about the driver safety management system, which has the points assigned to with the driver score uh, based upon all relative information, along with the weighting factors. You know, the, the times three, times two, and times one affects okay. on depending on time. Uh, TST does not have any points to it. And it does not have a score. It's just okay, a history. So
3: basically, it's what the the roadside inspectors can see for the carriers, but not the drivers. So there, it's just that more detailed uh, screenshot uh, of the whole kit and caboodle of, of everything. Correct. Okay. That that makes more sense. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: thank goodness we've got we've got Mike Rone with RMRConsultants.com, a real expert in this, uh, hanging out with us, helping us out here. So, okay. Question twenty three: Will the uh, will the FMCSA notify the driver's carrier if they take action against a driver? And uh, we researched this. It was a a little little difficult, but at this time. The exact procedures involving driver interventions have not been developed, the best that we can tell. So uh, but, the, but
2: then it,
4: the, the only go ahead. The only time the only time a driver will have an intervention process and in FNCSA is announced is at the time of a compliance review, when that safety investigator uh, determines that a driver has committed a violation, he can pull up the the driver's uh, safety management system and look at the driver's profile, and look for red flags. And they even have limited down the categories that they will look at in order to have an intervention with the driver. And and it's for major violations. Uh, Violating our service orders, uh, not having a current CDL, not having a current driver's license, uh, not being medically qualified or falsifying your medical card. If they determine those things, then the driver will have an intervention and it will probably be a fine.
1: Okay, but is, is the driver intervention basically tied to carrier interventions? And I mean, if if the company has an intervention and it shows that um, the driver has a problem in any of the basic categories, then the driver could have an intervention. It's it's kind of tied in with the company intervention. Does that make any sense?
4: Well, it's tied into the intervention as far as the, the compliance review at, at the carrier's location.
3: If the if uh, one not necessarily. Driver pops up to them uh, because they'll be able to see the drivers from what we understand that's uh, causing a lot of their violations Then, uh, or even two or three, let's say, that are causing a lot of the problems for the carrier. Then well, that's, for that's, sure.
2: Yeah. And
4: as us use an example. Say a, a driver has had his uh, license suspended. Motor carriers are required to run motor vehicle reports every 12 months. So let's say a the carrier did that. The license was okay. Six months later, the li- driver gets his license suspended, and the carrier didn't notify, didn't know about it, and the driver, of course, didn't tell the carrier. Then the carrier gets a compliance review, and it's discovered at the compliance review, and the license is still suspended, and that driver is probably going to get a fine.
3: Oh, yeah.
4: Okay.
1: All right, um All right, 53 minutes ago, We're going to work them all in here. Question number 24, can a driver lose his or her CDL if the CSA 2010 system flags the driver as being a poor driver? And as far as we can tell, the answer is no. uh, There's no regulatory provisions that would allow the uh, FMCSA to pull a driver's CDL at this time. And again, we kind of touched on this earlier because this would uh, really require rulemaking again. So the FMCSA can initiate interventions against the drivers up to and including fining the driver, but they cannot suspend a driver's CDL at this time. Um, Correct. Correct? Oh, good. Okay, I get an A. Um, question number 25, are drivers rated? And here's where
5: <laughs>
1: I made a post about this, and I'm this, this this bugs me. According to the FMCSA, no. However, they are in a percentile group among their peers. And Donna, I always I always just look at this and say, yes, they will be rated. But
3: it's it's uh, technically not the same kind of rating that. Um, the, uh, what is that? The SFD, the Safety Fitness Determination, which is uh, being developed right now. Uh, in other words, the carriers can be rated. Uh, presently, they're being rated as satisfactory, conditional, or unsatisfactory. Later on, uh, after this, this new rating is, uh, is finished being developed, it will be continue operation, marginal, or unfit. That's the kind of rating that they're talking about, the, the fitness rating. However, there is a, a score type of rating uh, on, their, on their profile page, uh, which, which they're put into like a percentile. So although they're not technically rated like the carriers are rated, uh, in a sense, to me, that's a rating. I mean, you're, you're putting somebody in a category um, with a score. Uh, they're, they're, rate, they're compared. Um, well, how do you feel about that, Mike?
4: Yes, I agree with you, but nobody can see it except for a safety investigator.
3: Right. But it, it's still uh, a they will, they will not
4: yeah They will not have a label put on as being right. uh, like the motor carrier does.
1: Okay. Yeah. okay the drivers okay right uh all right question twenty six how does a carrier become a candidate for an intervention if a um, if a carrier has exceeded any one of the uh basic threshold uh acceptable uh numerical values boy how how putting it like that then there can be an intervention uh d- depending on the degree of how over the threshold will determine the kind of intervention. So an example would be a warning letter versus a comprehensive or focused compliance review. Um, so, so there's, Donna, there's just going to be degrees involved in this.
3: Yeah. I guess the threshold 70 and there's 73. I would, I would assume, and, and, Mike, you can jump in any time you want, Um, I would assume a 73 would be a warning letter. However, if on that particular basic category, let's just hypothetically say it's cargo, um, and they're hitting a 90, I would assume that that that's going to bring on a regular compliance review uh, and not just a warning letter. So it's going to depend how far over that threshold and 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 let me just say i mean there's seven area thresholds that that are going to be measured uh it's just it's just not one so they have to be compliant in all seven uh so anyway alan's got the snapshots of, of so you can visually look at all this on the website and these snapshots we're taking from the FMCSA site on that methodology, I believe they were pages 35 and 36. So you can look and read it everything yourself. And that's the same paper that all the violations listed for all seven of the basic categories are on. So. Yeah, point. and
1: that's that's our first post. If you if you just go to askthetrucker.com, it's the first post I put it up earlier. And link to the methodology page too, so you can see it there. Um, okay. Question twenty-seven: Is there? Well, this is kind of self-explanatory. Is there a greater chance that you will be pulled in for an inspection if your company has a poor safety record? Well, obviously yes. I mean, certain carriers will be inspected more often depending on their uh, depending on their data. So that's kind of self-explanatory. That's
3: exactly what we were uh, yeah talking,
1: talking about, about just earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, question yeah, twenty-eight. Sure
4: each, carrier's ahead, got
1: a high, you know, each carrier has a high
4: SS rating based upon their. At currently, it's, called, it's on their SEA scores, which will be their SMS scores later on. And that uh, ISS rating goes up. As it goes up, uh, the likelihood of an inspection increases.
1: Oh, yeah, so definitely. The,
4: so poor, poor safety performance will definitely increase the likelihood of an inspection.
1: So. Um... Tip the drivers. Stay away from a poor safety company. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of obvious. Yeah, drivers
5: are you know, if drivers oh, okay. are looking for
1: a
4: job. They need to go to the uh, data and look at the car- and check the check the carrier out to find out uh, what type of problems the carriers having before they make a decision and go to work for them.
3: That's number twenty-eight. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> actually the that's the next. <laughs> well, I don't question. have.
4: I have not previewed your questions. So I'm sorry. <laughs> well,
1: that's yeah. right. I'll just keep, I'll just sit here and listen. You're you're, you're still in my thunder here, Mike. So, question number 28: Can a driver find out what their company stats are to determine how safe they are um, considered? I mean, just like we were saying before, you go to work for them, and 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 yes, you can. Right now, you can go online and see the company stats. Um, you can go to. Um, uh, forget the HTTP thing; that's always there. But go to ai.fmcsa.dot.gov, or just simply type in Google SafeStat, and uh, you'll be able to uh, to monitor the site. And I mean, it's real easy to find. But you can actually see what your company stats are before you determine if you want to uh, go to work for them. So, uh, just like we were just saying. Is that the site you were going
3: to recommend, Mike?
4: That's one of them you, you can also go to Safer Sys S A F E E R S Y S dot org. It'll take you to the same website.
1: Oh, that's a whole lot easier. What was it again?
4: Safer S-A-F-E-R-S-Y-S dot O R G.
1: Okay. Safer S S Y S dot org. Okay, that's a whole lot easier. You can go there and see what the stats on the company is. And yeah, the uh, the first
4: not- now the first page you come to, you'll click on carrier profile. Then you put the carrier's name in it, and it'll bring the carrier up, and you can uh, access the information.
1: Oh, okay. I'm going to play with that a little bit later. And Donna, you were just talking about this question twenty-nine. What is safety fitness determination (SFD)?
3: Oh yeah, we we kind of jumped into that earlier. Um, that's like the rating system for the for the carriers, and that's what we were saying drivers aren't going to have um, like a label to them, but the the carriers are and um presently they're still using satisfactory, conditional, or unsatisfactory. Uh, but later on, they're going to be using uh, let's see, continue operation, marginal, or unfit. So it's just going to be a terminology change that actually has the same uh, same meaning. Well, and I know the carriers are upset about those uh, the changing the the names of those ratings. It, they they say that that they really ha- are much more detrimental, like conditional. Uh, they feel it's more of a neutral. Type of uh, uh, rating name rather than the the word marginal. It, it gives more of a negative connotation in a person's mind when they see the word marginal. Well, what a, what about so, unfit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah same, same thing as that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I mean, but
4: yeah, uh, it, there's there's a little bit more to it than that. Under, under the present ratings that that you were talking about, they can only be changed by a compliance review, in the uh, under the at the current time and only when a, a carrier has a critical or acute violation in a category. When they change it, the SFD over to the uh, new ratings, the ratings will be able to be changed based upon roadside data inspections and not a compliance review. That's a big okay. change.
3: So they can change them. Um, so they have finished developing this system and they can change a, a company's rating right now at this, at this time, or, or when is that going to take effect?
4: At, at this time, they can only do it by compliance review, as I was talking about. They're going to have to have a rulemaking proceeding to change uh, Part 385 for them to be able to reassign a carrier a different rating based upon the uh, roadside inspections. That's where the new ratings come in. The proposed new ratings will come uh, in under a rulemaking proceeding. Which is supposed to come out sometime this uh, summer or fall.
3: Okay. Well, that it, when, when that when
4: that happens, a carrier's safety rating could change on a monthly basis.
3: On a monthly basis, yeah, because it's going to have all those uh, roadside inspections, and if they're updating the SMS monthly, I mean, it can just vary with the winds, really. I mean,
4: and, I mean, that's what they have. That's what they have proposed right now. Uh, it could change, <laughs> as we all know, things do change. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what we said in the beginning of the show. Everything we're saying here could change. But all right. uh, qu- question thirty: What is the pre-employment screening process? Another question that we've, a- we've been asking. Uh, the pre-employment screening process, the PSP, really a law that was mandated by by uh, Congress, and uh, it's a screening tool that allows motor carriers and individual drivers to uh purchase driving records from the uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's uh, Motor Carrier Management Information System. And the records are available for uh, 24 hours a day by uh web rec- re- uh by web request. I guess that's the only way you can get it, Mike.
4: Correct. And okay, there's a website set up for uh is not uh available yet that it, it's in the working. Uh, motor carriers have to pre-register for it and what they're telling us is it takes about two weeks for a motor carrier to be approved to pull the information. The drivers won't have to be pre-approved. They do not have to pre-register so when it does come available drivers will be able to pull their scores or and their information. And drivers
3: can do that now, right Mike?
4: No, I don't think I have not seen that the PSP is available right now. The PSP oh, website, even for the drivers, they can okay. they can get their they can get their information by filing a Freedom of Information Act. But as I have not heard that the PSP is operational to be able to get information off of it yet, unless You have heard something? I had it in the last week or so. I've been like I said, I've been pretty tied up on other projects. But on February twenty fourth, the website came available, and motor carriers were urged to pre-register uh, in. I'm sure there's going to be a big press uh, release when it does come out, uh, when it's uh, operational.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think they still have to submit a Privacy Act request. Uh, I think we get into that a little bit later, too. So, uh,
4: Yeah, uh, there will have to be a release to the carrier to be able to get it. And it can only be done on new hires. I'm sure i got one of your questions there.
1: <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> <not hard. laughs> So question 31, why, why was PSP created? Um, well, developing a system to make uh, safety performance information uh, electronically available for pre-employment screening purposes was mandated by Congress in the, uh, well, you've got it all here, in the Safe, Accountable, Flexible, Efficient Transportation Equity Act, a leg- legacy for users, Title 49 U.S. Code, Section 31150, Public Law 10959, Section 4117. Okay, I hope everybody well, got well.
4: I didn't get that, Alan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so uh, I just did that off the top of my head, too. That's amazing. Uh, but anyway, well, what? FMCSA what? believes that making this driver data available to um, potential employers and operator applicants will improve the quality of safety data and help employers make more uh, informed decisions when hiring commercial drivers. So the PSP provides a, a more rapid access to commercial driver safety performance information than was previously available under the Freedom of Information Act or Privacy Act request. So um, does that sound right to you, Mike?
4: Yeah, and it makes sense. It goes right along with CSA 2010. This way that motor carriers can evaluate new hires to see what type of potential uh, points that a, a driver could add to their safety profile
1: okay so there's the psp and got another question for the well we've got several here what information is in the psp Um, all these little abbreviations dir driver information resource records uh, purchased through psp contain the most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data from the fmcsa uh, system so nothing else, Donna, you have. It's just the uh, five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspections.
3: Right. That's 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 what it
1: says. That's the information uh, that will be in the PSP to our understanding as of this date. Uh, question 33, will carriers be able to see driver basic scores in the CSA 2010 or PSP systems? And, um, uh, Donna, you take that one because I mean we come up with no carriers will only be able to see the driver data. The driver's uh, basic that's, scores will be confidential. Roadside inspections and crash data only.
3: That's what we were saying before. When um, when a when a, a truck pulls up and the driver pulls up and if they're in, the only thing that those roadside inspectors can see is uh, the crash and the roadside inspection data. But, and this is what Mike clarified before, they will not be able to see any of the uh, basic individual, those seven basic scores or the percentile rate. However, they do see the carrier's entire profile, But uh, and, the, and the carrier who wants to employ a new driver will not be able to see that either. Uh, a safety in, inspector is the only one who can see that. And that's, that's exactly what we went over uh, before Mike clarified all, all right. that.
1: Okay. Uh, question 34. Can an employer request a PSP for an existing driver? And uh, no. the answer is no. Only for a driver that is applying to be hired. And they also have to have written consent from the driver applicant, right?
3: Yeah, that's it.
1: Okay, so there's some privacy issues there. So uh, only for a driver that's applying to be hired, and they have to have written consent from that driver to to pull uh, the PSP information. Right. Uh, And here's what we were touching on earlier, Mike, question 35. Who can receive a copy of the PSP? Uh, Drivers, drivers, uh, you can receive, uh, your own uh, through PSP for, a, uh, I guess, a $10 fee, NIC Technologies, mm-hmm. or uh, or contacting the FMCSA and submit a Privacy Act request, which we were talking about earlier. And carriers can request a copy of a driver's PSP information through the PSP site for the sole purpose of pre-employment screening only. But again, they must have driver written consent. So we've got that down, right?
4: Right, and they're going to be, help- and the carriers can be held with some confidentiality rules too, under the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act.
1: Yeah, that's why we were touching on, because um, uh, drivers, yeah. they, you know, they have they have these uh, privacy issues that they were concerned with, so uh, we wanted to make that clear that they have to have the written consent.
4: Well, I also I want to make it clear. I mean, if the driver gets his own profile information off the of PST and he gives it to the motor carrier. What happens to the confidentiality? Once that driver turns loose of his information willingly to somebody without a release, then that information is no longer confidential. That's true. You will not really
3: give
4: it to anybody. So be careful about doing that. And those are the only two people that will be, be able to get information with the PST. Insurance companies will not be able to get it and third parties will not be able to get it. Third parties can order it it's going to go directly to the carrier. The third parties will not be able to see the data. I've already tried.
1: <laughs> have you? Okay. Good. So that lays to rest some of the privacy uh, issues that a lot of drivers have been concerned with, and I don't blame them. Um, okay, question 36. Is the uh, driver applicant notified each time information is released, and how does a uh, driver applicant know that their information was not released without his or her consent. Um, uh, First, no. Drivers are not notified when it is released to a carrier, and motor carriers are subject to uh, random audits by NIC and or FMCSA to ensure that uh, the driver applicant Written consent is obtained, and those records of consent are man- are maintained. And that's so just
3: what you were saying.
1: Just just like you, just like you were saying, Mike. Um, okay, so that's uh, clear that privacy issue up. Number thirty-seven. Will non-motor carrier entities such as well. Dadgummit, Mike.
4: I know. I'm bad. i got one more comment. Go ahead and ask a question. i got another comment on it.
1: Well, I mean, you haven't even seen these questions. How do you know these things? (laughs) Question number 37. I I know Donna. Oh, okay. (laughs) Will non-motor carrier entities such as insurance companies be able to access this information? Well, Mike has stolen my thunder, so we all know that the answer is no. The PSP is solely for the purpose of conducting pre-employment screening. Okay,
4: Mike. The only other comment I got is if, like, I'm a, th- I'm a third party to a lot of Motor carriers I act as their drug testing consortium. I can get drug testing records. Uh, there's a possibility that if I had a power of attorney from my clients, that I could go submit that power of attorney to uh, NIC and be able to see the information for my clients on their behalf. That's the only way that I can see that the information would be re- released to anybody than the motor carrier. But in that case, the motor carrier would give uh, authority for that person to receive the information and act on the motor carrier's behalf, and still be held uh, subject to the uh, confidentiality rules.
1: Right, and and even in that case, the driver would have had would have given his permission anyway, right? Correct. Right. So. There again it still falls on the driver really kinda of having control over the privacy issue. But yeah, I see your point. Um Okay. I mean, there's always there's always around
4: some a way around some things. And that's something that I had thought about the other day. So
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So it's uh, the uh, power of attorney you would need, is that correct?
4: I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it on one of my my clients behalf and see if see if it works. <laughs> Just for the heck of it. Okay,
1: so, uh, uh, well, it sounds reasonable to me, but uh, question 38, what if you find wrong information in your PSP record, or a driver contests the information uh, in their PSP record? Uh, all, all requests to uh, correct information uh, has to be handled by the FMCSA uh, Department of Transportation, and the... Uh, Again, I think we kind of went over this a minute ago, Donna. The website for data correction is the uh, dataqs.fmcsa.dot.gov. Um, was that the same thing we were talking about? Oh no, that was the uh, the correction. Seeing the company stats. Yeah, and an uh, easier way you can just you can just Google data dataqs.fmcsa and uh, you can find out, um, correct any wrong information that's on your PSP record. So, uh, again, that's that's done through the website there. Um, okay, question number 39, we're getting there. How does CSA 2010 affect Canadian and Mexican carriers? We've been asked this before, too. So, uh, Donna, you looked into that, didn't you?
3: Well, basically, as long as you have a DOD number, you're involved in CSA 2010, and that includes if you have one truck or 1,000 trucks or, or wherever you're, you're domiciled. Um, however, only accidents and violation that occur in the United States will be counted in the data collection and in the evaluation system. The same is true of United States carriers operating in Canada or Mexico. Only uh, violations that occur in the U.S. will be counted in the carrier's data and valuation. So it's it's just everything happening in this country only.
1: Well, that makes sense since, I mean, it's uh, CSA 2010 is for the U.S. So uh,
4: if we can operate under Canadian hours of service rules, that's only fair, then, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Uh, okay, good. But, uh, I mean, again, that makes sense. It's just right here in the U.S. Um, and I'm sitting here um, just pushing things out of my way here. It, it, it reminds me of how disorganized things can become inside the truck at times. And I wanted to I wanted to get this information out again, too, because I've got a lot of people that's really liking this thing, and uh, my friend Barry has it in his truck. So I wanted to be sure just to point this out again real quick. I mean, we stick things here and there in the truck cab and then we're trying to locate them when we need them and then there's this there's this um, great new little organizer as i call it that can be used anywhere even in that semi truck to to help get things a little bit more organized and and you may have heard about this we've talked about it the tree frog pad it's a funny name but it's a cool thing it's it's a seven by nine pad seven inch by nine inch pad made out of a special formulated gel that can sit right on the dash of your truck, and whatever you place on it will stay right there until you pick it up, and drivers use it for holding their phones, uh, satellite radios, iPhones, keys, even laptops, and um, the the Tree Frog Pad provides a really super grip. It, It holds things in place until you need them. It's just a great organizer, and I can talk about it, but you've got to see it in action, so just Go to treefrogpad.com and take a look at how this little thing can make your life a whole lot easier out on the road. Uh, Barry Stutsky, my co-host here, often on Truth About Trucking Live, he's got one in his truck. And, man, he was putting everything up on there, Donna. (laughs) And uh, all these potholes and these roads around Florida and Orlando, he was just waiting for those things to fall off, and they never did. So he's a big believer. Oh, good. Uh, it, it, It can be used over and over again. It's really cool. So... I just wanted to get that in here again on this broadcast. So treefrogpad.com, check it out. It's it's, it's really pretty cool. And, and we are down to uh, question number 40. Will data eventually fall off of the system, or will violations and crashes be counted against a carrier or driver forever? That's one question we received. Uh, Donna, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, I think, but... Uh, um, this This kind of goes back to the twenty four thirty six month
3: thing right mm-hmm. the um, The measurement system uh, will use twenty four months worth of data when calculating a carrier's uh, basic scores, and anything older than the 20, uh twenty four months will not be used. However, the driver gets it held on for thirty six months. So
1: okay. So kind of the same thing we kinda of went through there. So that's really most of the most common questions that we've uh that we've seen floating around out there. Um, Mike, was there anything else that uh any questions that that you were in on that any other things floating around out there that maybe we didn't touch on that you know of?
4: I think y'all covered it pretty good. Uh,
1: not, that I, about, not
4: that I could think of offhand.
1: I'm trying to look up here um I had a thing here. I don't know where it's at now. Donna, I think I sent it to you,
3: but now I don't know. And you closed out my computer, so I can't pull it up.
1: Uh, Well, I thought I had it right here. It's just the dates of this CSA 2010. Um, I've seen so many things flying around. Uh, Mike, is is July still the date for uh, the full effect? Oh, here it is, implementation Uh, dates. Yeah, let
3: me
4: let me kind of give you a recap of what I know off the top of my head. I, I don't have anything in front of
1: me. I found it. Here. On, Go ahead.
4: On April the 12th, the uh, carrier's data was made available to the carriers. It does not have their scores, it, but it shows the seven basics and it shows the violations for each uh, basic uh, category. And it does show the driver's names and the detail of the inspection so the carrier can see what type of problems they're having by basic category. And they can get that uh, today, that went into effect on April the 12th. Uh, July is no longer a good date. Uh, I did hear that the FMCSA is going to be using the new data, uh, CSA 2010 data that's compiled in order to do compliance reviews as of September. Or, I guess, in August or September. So, the information that is being compiled on CSA 2010 will be used by the FMCSA, as I understand it, to determine which carriers need to have a compliance review. Uh, November the 30th is when this CSA 2010 data becomes available to the public. Right now, only the motor carriers have access to it. Uh, November the 30th, uh, the public will have access to it along with the drivers to see the carrier's profiles. And also, warning letters will be sent out on November the 30th to the carriers that are deficient in a basic. And parts of the CSA 2010 intervention process will not uh, go into effect until uh, spring or possibly even the summer of uh, 2011. And that's just off the top of my head. If you have uh, other more accurate information, there.
1: yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking here. I've got and uh, it it these things change, you know, and you never know if things are still uh the way it appeared. But I'm looking at I've got something here with a uh, like from July to December of this year. Uh, the FMCSA offices are scheduled to begin using the uh, CSA 2010 interventions as the uh, state office's staffs are trained, and until a state office's staff is trained, the state will continue to use compliance reviews as the only intervention using the uh, safety evaluation component of the CSA 2010 to develop the audit list that we were talking about earlier. And um, I don't know, I, I'm looking at it as As Late 2010 or 2011, the final rule allowing the use of the CSA 2010 safety evaluation determination will become the official carrier rating system. And uh, you said something about 2011, so that still looks like it's about the same target then, huh?
4: Well, the safety fitness determination will only come about after a rulemaking proceeding is done. And generally, a rulemaking proceeding takes anywhere from uh, 12 to... 24
1: months. Oh, okay. So this is just when the final rule, um, rule, I guess, are going to be determining it in late 2010, 2011. So this whole system could not really go into full force until as late as 2013,
4: then? Uh, possibly. Or 2012. Okay. 2012 is what I'm looking at. It depends okay. on how fast they move. Depends on how fast they move. On the, uh, on what else say? Uh, the rulemaking proceeding. The
1: rulemaking process, right?
4: Because I think it's going to be pretty slow. Because I think you're going to have a lot of care and oh. a lot of giant uh, key publics uh, filing uh, comments and protests, and they oh, will probably I have. You. I mean, I think it's going to be drawn out before they can oh. be able to do that. That's just my opinion. I, I really don't know. Uh, oh, but I, I think would. it's. Going to
1: I was just going to say I agree. I mean, anything like that. I mean, you know, they're going to come out in full force against this thing. So,
4: that um, yeah, really I mean, the intervention really well, the intervision process doesn't start until November the thirtieth, except for them using the data to determine who gets a compliance review. They have they're using the SafeStat data today to determine which carriers get uh, the compliance reviews. So they're going to start using the new data. From what I understand, in August, uh, and I believe that the uh, FMCSA gets uh list updated in the springtime and again in September. And so uh, the September list probably will be compiled from the new data. Then the warning letters go out on November the 30th. And that starts the intervention process. Uh, and when you and- say
3: the new data, you're you're really talking about, because I know I could just see people wondering, well, what's the new data versus the old data? And um, well, you're I'm really talking, about, talking about the violations and the, the individual basic uh, uh, categories. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, I'm talking about the driver safety management system under CSA 2010.
3: Well, the, I mean, if they're using the roadside inspections and the crash data, uh, and that's pretty much all the same, but now it's just being categorized into seven seven basic areas. So Correct. is that Correct. considered but, the new data?
4: The safe Stat is only uh, in uh, four categories, and this has seven categories. Right. And I'm not sure. And I'm not sure what uh, how they'll use it, and they they probably are not sure how they would determine that a carrier needs to have a compliance review on the new information. And it really hasn't been released. They're just saying they're just saying they're gonna be using the C S A twenty ten driver safety Management. I mean not driver carrier safety management system to be determine who which carrier gets a compliance review versus okay. the safe set versus the safe system. It's a transition period getting into. It.
3: Right. right. And that's when those little thresholds will be highlighted and uh that we were talking about earlier if a carrier is is, right exceeds the threshold
4: and, and allowing the motor carriers to see their data now and not uh, using it until November gives the carrier an additional time period okay you've been told uh, number one you've been told about it for uh, a year now uh, number two we're going to give you additional time period to look at your data to find out what your problems are give you a chance to correct it then then they're going to start done the intervention process, so if you're a carrier, you need to start uh, immediately, if not sooner, and looking at your information and take a proactive approach on how you're going to correct the information in your uh, carrier safety management system to reduce violations for the future, because you want to avoid the factoring effect. Carriers have a times three for six months, uh, times two for 12 months. And if they can avoid the factoring effect, then they'll they'll stay off the radar screen. A lot easier. Right.
1: Alright, right, um well I was just talking about this guy. Uh uh, Barry, Barry, you're on the line, what's going on?
5: <laughs> I wanted to say hello and I had a question for Mike. Okay. I don't know if you a while back I'd heard that there may be new physical requirements. Tied into CSA twenty ten, such as sleep apnea testing for new drivers, and potentially uh, things like uh, 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 physical qualifications regarding obesity and things of that for existing drivers. Is that part of this, or is that something else?
4: No, what you're talking about under the uh, new uh, the qualification standards for drivers are not a part of CSA twenty ten. The FMCSA Medical Review uh, Board is. Looking at all different areas of the medical qualifications, and sleep apnea is a part of what they're looking at. In addition to some other stuff, that there has not been any determination on it. And yeah, last that's, I that's heard, still they were kind
1: of in the talking phase, isn't it, Mike?
4: Correct. It, it really has nothing to do with CSA 2010. Okay, so that's
5: okay. That, that definitely... was my that. That huh? was my question. And and also, as far as CSA 2010, is there any chance, and I'm not sure if these regulations are entirely written yet or not, as far as what you guys were speaking to earlier about severity ratings for you know sort of the act of God type, type of things where you, you pick up debris and end up with a leaky tire, hit a bump, and a light goes out. Is there any chance of those severity ratings, being is, is there, they're involved in the equations they use, is there any chance of them lowering them to more reasonable levels to uh, compensate for the fact that... Yeah, that, that, like the, our previous caller said, that tires do get flat in route, not while the trucks park. So, or, or is that written in what, stone? No.
4: These are not, just to clarify also, these are not regulations we're talking about that's going into effect. This is a, an administrative procedure on how the FMCSA uh, intervenes or uh, interacts with motor carriers and drivers. They have the authority already in the regulations to do what they're doing, this is just an administrative procedure on how they're going to do it. So they don't need any approval from anybody to get it done. Uh, as far as the, uh, the points are concerned, in the listing session they did in December, they uh, definitely made a point to state that nothing's ever set in stone and that they're constantly reviewing the data and the information from the test states and reviewing the uh, points uh, and the severity that they have assigned to them.
1: Yeah, and I had okay. mentioned er- I had mentioned earlier, Barry, that the uh, uh, the FMCSA uh, recently stated that very few rules, if any, were expected to be changed. So, I mean, I guess there's always a chance, but um, uh, by what we're seeing, um, I mean they're listening and talking, you know, discussing it still, and still going to finalize it, but. Um, through their own words, they're expecting that very few changes are going to be ex- are expected to be change made anyway.
4: Yeah, the only, the only proposed uh, regulation change they have is in the safety fitness determination, and that was going to take a rulemaking proceeding. Any changes to regulations will require a rulemaking proceeding to be done, and then it'll be publicized with uh, opportunity for uh, comments from uh, the public.
1: Okay,
5: and again, the rulemaking. Go ahead, Barry, yeah, well, just one more thing and and just this is uh Mike, and this is probably more in the realm of opinion and uh, and you may have hit on it. You were, you were back and forth about various issues about who could access data and when and how, and a driver I spoke to the other evening was concerned about the potential that carriers knowing that they had drivers in their employment who might have a high point rating, if you want to call it that could preemptively get rid of drivers. Before the program's initiated to keep themselves from carrying that driver for 24 months, but if I'm understanding you correctly, if the driver's there now, it's going to carry 24 months regardless, is that the case or could carriers dump people uh, pre cSA 2010 initiation? If, if the carrier
4: if the carrier has drivers that have high points, the carrier cannot get rid of those points. they'll have to stay on his profile for 24 months. Will the, drivers, will the carriers take pre, uh, preemptive uh, uh, work with the uh, drivers? Hopefully, they will take an educational standpoint and try to correct a driver before they get rid of a driver. But could they use the data to uh, terminate drivers? Well, they can. They can do what I guess pretty much what they want. But that information is available today under the new. Uh, well, actually, under the old system, they have access to information that shows what drivers had what violations and, for a 30-month period. So it's nothing new. Yeah. So if they haven't done it in the past, uh, I don't know why they would would start now except for you know, trying to maybe reduce potential uh, points for getting on their profile. I think uh, that- the best best proactive approach would be through retraining to see if you can retrain your drivers, get them into the program, because this is something new for everybody.
5: Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's a good thing. Anything that makes the road safer, I mean, I'm all for it. But there are, you know, drivers are paranoid <laughs> because it's such well, a massive program and there's so many aspects, so I'm getting a lot of those kind of questions.
4: Right, and, and when CSA 2010 came out, I, I was really, or was uh, publicized, that I mean, talking about this since September, and there's been a lot of clarifications or actually what I call changes have been made by the administration. Uh, I don't want to say that they uh, changed it, but they clarified it. And from a driver's standpoint, as long as they can stay away from the major uh, violations and don't accumulate a lot of points, uh, then there's not really anything really to be concerned about. The good drivers uh, will really benefit from CSA 2010 because it's definitely going to affect a category of drivers. Now, how how much of category drivers, I don't know. Those are the drivers that uh, are not following the regulations and I would probably say they're probably in the smaller carrier grouping that maybe has stayed off the radar screen uh, from the FMCSA uh, and not got a lot of out of services, but uh, have, they're going to start accumulating a lot of points in other categories, uh, like log violations, not having your logbook current, or not having a logbook with you. Some of them are, in some cases, are not out of services, but they're violations, so they'll start popping up on the radar screen.
1: Yeah.
4: I know well, that was it's a long answer it's,
1: it's Just like I say, it's just going to, you know, you it's coming so you're
5: just going to you're going to have to play or you're going to pay so uh, no doubt about well, that I'll, I'll, I'll let you go back to you uh i'm going to drop off the phone line and, and thank you Mike, for answering my question and uh it's really been a great show by the way to all three of you it's been extremely informative and i just want to tell you my tree frog has uh a tree frog pad has 4000 miles on it now and everything's still <laughs> uh stuck to it okay yeah i know i know I got, well, I got, I got, uh, I appreciate it. I got a,
1: I was, yeah, you might have heard, I was telling everybody that, see, I know you have it in your truck, and you had everything hanging on there, and the thing works. so everybody just needs to go to treefrogpad.com and check it out. It's pretty cool, but nine minutes down, uh, we're closing out. Mike, uh, appreciate you hanging with us all this time. Uh, We knew you were good, but um, glad to have a, a, a real expert on CSA 2010 here with us. I appreciate you being here.
4: Well, thank you. I hope I helped out a little bit.
1: Oh, you helped out a lot. You always help. I I, I really appreciate it, and uh, and it was good having you on again. And we'll we'll stay in contact with you. And good luck to you. And Donna, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging with me here.
3: Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, everything about it. It was such an interesting topic to me, and uh, we get so many questions that I just felt compelled uh, to to do some research on it. And I wanted to just um, thank Todd Dills for his mention today. Uh, he put us in uh, overdrive.com, uh, and our show was in there today. So uh, thanks, Todd, if you're listening. Uh, we appreciate getting the word out and uh, getting people informed, and uh, we're grateful for that too. So. And, Mike, just to throw your website out one more time, rmrconsultants.com.
1: Yeah, and we uh, yeah we appreciate Trucker News, all the people over there that help us out. And uh, uh, just a real quick thing, seven minutes here to go. Uh, Truth About Trucking Live, our new sponsor. We want to tell you about RigQuote.com. Your own operators and independent contractors out there. Uh, insurance is one of the most expensive um, expenses you have. So um, shop around, get the best deal. And we would advise you to check out RigQuote. You can get a uh, quote on your insurance needs in less than five minutes. Uh, So we welcome our new sponsor here at Truth About Trucking Live, RigQuote.com. So check them out. And uh, so that will do it for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. And, uh, again, thanks to Donna for all her work and uh, couldn't have done it without her. And Mike Rohn of rmrconsultants.com. And our next show will be on Thursday, May 6, 2010, at 7.30 p.m., when our special guest will be Donna Creekmore. And she was a major player behind working to help get many of the drivers left stranded by the aero trucking closing uh, back home during the uh, 2009 holiday season. And Donna, along with many volunteers and others such as Long Hall of uh, ProjectWorldAwareness.com and Trucker Desiree of RealWomenInTrucking.com and OIDA, got to give a shout-out to them. They created a Facebook fan page. And many others we'll talk about when Donna Creekmore uh, will be on our show uh, next week, Trucker's Home, the Story of the Arrow Trucking Closing. And so we'll have some behind-the-scenes stories of how Donna and uh, the volunteers worked tirelessly and uh, helping to get these stranded drivers back home. So we'll be looking forward to bringing that program to you. So thanks for joining us this evening. And uh, until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith on behalf of myself and Donna. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. (laughs)